the obsec of Satoshi was fundamental. So it's not just it's not just a meme. It was actually necessary probably to to bootstrap Bitcoin. So he, he had to do that way. But it's also it also makes for a great story. Uh, I mean, an unprecedented story. That was Max Hillebrand, today's guest. We've been trying to get together on the podcast for quite a while, but it just hasn't worked out until now. So I've been very excited. Max is a entrepreneur. He is an open source advocate and host of the YouTube show Bitcoin to the Max on the World Crypto Network. And his take on ownership in Bitcoin was one of the more revelatory things that I've learned over 2019 and the fact that you really don't own your Bitcoin in a more general sense. And it really just kind of blew my mind until I started to think about it more. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode and are really going to take a lot away from his explanation of why you can't own Bitcoin and why I agree with him on that point. Giacomo, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me back. I'm very happy to be here. And before we actually start, I wanted to thank you for coming back on the show. You're actually the very first interview that I ever did um, back on episode nine. And I, you know, I appreciate your patience with me during that episode because we actually had a, a power outage at my house uh, probably towards the last quarter of it. And you waited for quite a while for me to get a soul uh, connection going and everything like that. So I, I just uh, wanted to throw that out there and, and say thank you for, for that and for coming back on. Sure, it was fun. Yeah, now I remember the very, uh, the, the, uh, it was a lot of event, adventure back then. Yeah, but, uh, and, you know, we just started 2020 and, you know, Bitcoin's hitting its basically, well, I mean, today the, the 11th uh, anniversary of the, of the Genesis block. And, you know, by the time this episode goes live um, on the 13th, we'll hit the 11th anniversary as well of the first transaction between Satoshi and Hal Finney. And uh, I kind of had two-ish, I guess, kind of it's a, it's a bunch of questions rolled into, into one um, for this first one to lead us off with. But, you know, how do you feel about the current state of Bitcoin now? And looking back, what have we done right and what have we done wrong? Huh. That's a very, very wide question. So I, I have to say I feel way better than I felt uh, two, three years ago. Uh, not sure I feel significantly better than I felt uh, during our first interview because I don't see, uh, I think that most uh, fundamental changes, fundamental confirmations and fundamental challenges in Bitcoin uh, have probably have been like the New York agreement attack and something like that. This, this last year I've been kind of quiet. I mean, uh, if you look at the developments, you can see the OPTEC uh, uh, mailing list uh, uh, year review 
a lot of stuff going on in Bitcoin from a technology point of view. There is a very good James Olop uh, 2019 year review, uh, which is more like economical, financial and social like uh, uh, research interest and volume of transaction and so far. And if you look at that, you can see that it was a very uh, good year uh, with uh, very not, not a lot of drama. Uh, but a lot of uh, fundamental things that will build up for the future. There was the first uh, Lightning Network conference in Berlin. That was great. There was a very, very bad bag uh, bug in, uh, in Lightning, which is also was also very good in order to for people to understand, appreciate more, and acknowledge more the importance of uh, specification or standard specification. So it was a good year for Bitcoin, but uh, it didn't change my overall positivity uh, or negativity. I think that the, the main threats are still basically the same. We will just see them maybe in a more... Uh, in a more sophisticated or powerful version, but are still the same uh, attack uh, attack vectors, the same same threats, and uh, the fundamental the fundamental uh, optimistic uh, uh, optimi- optimism generating things are still the same, if not even more. Uh, I think that maybe we will talk during this during our discussion a little bit of something, but I guess that now we are we are getting closer to the debate about uh, privacy and, and, and uh, fungibility and traceability uh, uh, as opposed to the pretty empty scalability, so-called scalability debate of the, of the past years. Uh, so that's, that's getting even more serious, I would say. There is even more at stake here about privacy and fungibility than, than before. But uh, I don't see surprises. Everything is slightly better. There is uh, more stuff going on on the second layer. Uh, there is very good stuff going on on the first layer, like Taproot and the Schnorr. And that's the kind of things that I'm trying to follow a little bit. And uh, there is, uh, there is uh, basically more competition in the, in the ASICs production industry, which is good. There is uh, a lot of infrastructure going on. Uh, the overall mood is not very uh, is not very exuberant, not very enthusiastic, which is good for me. It's very very good because with uh, exuberant enthusiasm also comes uh, hype and uh, baseless uh, expectations and, and stuff like that. That I that as a as a consultant and as a teacher, as somebody who is very uh, very uh, interested in having a consistent narrative and not just a uh, random hype uh, floating around. I'm, I'm kind of happy with this. So uh, it was a good year. Uh, I'm still basically very optimistic about Bitcoin. I still think that Bitcoin can fail in very, very particular, uh, very, very likely scenarios. And, uh, and these scenarios are getting less and less likely uh, every day, basically. And let's explore that uh, a little bit when you're talking about the privacy debate being a little bit um, or more important than than the the scalability debate that uh, was basically kind of figured out um, two years ago when now there's camps. If you want to go this way, you can go there. If you want to go even um, to even... um, insane levels and also uh, enjoy a nice little cult of personality you can go uh, to bsv and you know with the privacy debate you said that it's it's you know more important and the debates are starting uh it, could you maybe flesh out the the different camps 
of of opinions where where you know bitcoin's uh future in privacy uh should go yeah sure it's not a two-sided debate it's not like two camps which is also usually an indicator of a more uh, honest and uh and nuanced debate i mean usually when you have two parties uh, not always, it's not a rule, but it's a good heuristic that when you have oversimplification of two camps, you either have uh, one of the camps just making up the debate uh, unilaterally, like I think was the case for the so-called scaling debate, or both both camps just being ideological and not, uh, and not really logical. In this case, there are many, many different uh, camps, I would say. So there are, there is, there are some people that think uh, let me try to oversimplify. Let's say uh, field one of the debate is people who think that Bitcoin should not be fundamentally fungible or private because uh, Bitcoin must be especially uh, accepted uh, accepted uh, by the traditional finance. It should be like, uh, yes, digital gold, but it should be like digital gold back in the gold standard era well, where, where gold was not something sub- subversive, something uh, something persecuted, uh, something uh, censored. It was just something natural for the financial system of the world, including governments and banks and for a while even central banks. So uh, Bitcoin's digital goal, everybody will go along with it. So we must be compliant and regulated. And anything which is like privacy oriented or fungibility oriented is kind of like disturbing this uh, this work of legitimization like we worked so hard to make bitcoin apparently uh, harmless and nice and uh, positive and now you want to to ruin this with this uh, narrative of uh, privacy and possibly shady things happening so this is one side like we don't want bitcoin uh, to be private the second will be the one in which Yes, we do want Bitcoin to be private. And in order to do that, we have to fundamentally change Bitcoin at every cost completely following this specific uh, uh, mantra. Like, for example, many people think that like... uh, uh, you, you get some com- comments, especially from non-technical people, like, why don't you just add Fungibit to Bitcoin? Like, Fungibit is just like a single flag that you can put in the software, and it will just change. And if you're not doing that, that means that you are in the first camp. That means that you don't want Fungibility. So mm, I think that this flag, this uh, oversimplified myth, is usually associated with uh, confidential transactions, uh, which... As in, I mean, per se, they have not much to do with fungibility. They're mostly about uh, amount obfuscation, uh, and uh, and and then there are basically uh, a lot of people thinking that this is fungibility. If you do like a confidential transaction soft fork, or sorry, hard fork, then everything is fine. If you don't, then Bitcoin is doomed. Uh, so they uh, they fight. Uh, rightfully so, in my opinion, they fight the first the first camp because they realize that uh, the first camp is just a delusion. You cannot have digital gold because uh, the reason you cannot have digital gold are the same reasons you c- could not have any more physical gold. The same reasons uh, w- for uh, which basically central banks they just uh, um, they destroyed and they abandoned the gold standard because they wanted to inflate more, they wanted to manipulate interest rates, and now they cannot go back just easily because. Now uh, the the government uh, debts will be uh, will be unsustainable without monetary policies and uh, negative interest rates they will be unsustainable and the, the economic bound.
bubble, the continued economic bubble uh, of the modern economy will be unsustainable without negative interest rates uh, soon coming to, to US dollar as well. So it's, it will be just insustainable for them. So not only they cannot just uh, uh, get back to the gold standard, they cannot even stop accelerating the, the direction of, uh, of fiat money. And the uh, same goes for financial privacy. They cannot just stop uh, building an Orwellian panopticum. They are doing that because they need it. Because if you if you can just withdraw cash when you want and use it, nobody is going to uh, to tolerate negative interest rates in the banks. You have to be forced uh, to stay in the banking system uh, by censoring everything else. So the reasons we don't have digital gold are the reasons we we didn't have e gold after after ten years or something of run. E-gold was shut down just before Bitcoin was created because governments couldn't, especially uh, the United States government and all the para-governmental uh, structures like uh, Federal Reserve or or, or whatever. Uh, you can also think about NSA and, and, and basically global surveillance and terrorism or, or bad people, uh, drug on war, uh, war on drugs, sorry, etc., etc. So... You cannot have digital gold because you could not have physical gold and censoring digital gold when it's centralized is even easier than censoring physical gold. So uh, many people say Bitcoin is cool because it's a fin finite supply. But I mean, uh, a, a well done e-gold with, uh, with uh, gold vaults uh, which are fairly reviewed by independent parties will also be uh, fin basically finished supply, uh, which is a supply of gold, with the advantage of having the price already figured out by the market since uh, thousands of years. So it will be more stable. Uh, immediately, it will have a great Lindy effect. So uh, digital gold centralized with real gold backing it up will be more effective than this strange proof-of-work stuff with, uh, with, with uh, strange... Uh, like uh, um, inflation schedule and reduction and uh, automatic uh, difficulty adjustment of proof of work and electricity and ASICs and, and so on. So the reason we cannot have digital gold is that digital gold has been censored. So now we can have it only in a decentralized way, which is Bitcoin. But the reason it is decentralized is that it's avoiding censorship. So there is no, no point of uh, hoping that Bitcoin can just behave, be nice, and then it will just be regulated and it will just be uh, accepted and compliant. Bitcoin will be legally disruptive and it will be at different degrees in different times and in different places of the world. It will be fight and it will be uh, like e-gold was and like called was with uh, with uh, i mean with the act of uh, of uh, confiscation of gold in the us and, and uh, recently in india and so forth so i think that the first uh, field is misguided but the second field we, we, we recognizes this which is you cannot have digital gold hard money if it's not also dark money you can only have hard money if it's also dark money because otherwise you will be censored from using dark money uh, and hard money directly. The second field just uh, has a myth, uh, is, is just following a myth about uh, about fungibility just being something you can easily add and just a choice and everything is fine. It's not, especially in a global consensus system like Bitcoin, it's a very, very difficult process to build over many, many, many features. And any feature has a lot of trade-offs, like uh, a typical reaction from 
uh, there was a debate recently, like Binance decided to freeze an account. Uh, actually, it was like Binance Singapore, I think, or something like that. An account was, was frozen uh, by Binance because the user withdrawed his, his Bitcoins. And then after a few movements, so not immediately, he moved the Bitcoins on, uh, on a Wasabi wallet, which is a wallet doing CoinJoin. And so, Wasabi, uh, so basically, uh, uh, Binance Singapore wrote to this guy, we are freezing your account with your money because you did something with the money you withdraw from us after you withdraw it from us eventually. Uh, and we cannot tolerate this. And in order to release your account, you have to promise not to do these things, not even in the future after you withdraw. So uh, we are checking the blockchain. And if we see in the blockchain that the money is going there after even several hopes, which is crazy because several hopes just mean that I could have spent this to other people and these other people could have spent it to, uh, to, to this kind of site, so not me. So they cannot really know it's me. Uh, they have an heuristic, they have a probability, but they cannot have certainty that it's me. So based on just a, a probabilistic heuristics, uh, they are going to freeze my money if I engage with something they cannot tolerate. And I quote, they cannot tolerate P2P, so peer-to-peer -peer stuff. So you cannot do any peer-to-peer -peer stuff with your Bitcoin, which is crazy because, I mean, Bitcoin is a peer-to-peer -peer system. Uh, it's, it's created in order to be. There is no other reason to have Bitcoin other than having a peer-to-peer -peer cash system. And then you cannot do gambling, which is also very ironical coming from Binance because it's basically a shitcoin casino. So, yeah, I mean, the, the reason people has Bitcoin on Binance in the first place is in order to do shitcoin gambling. And, and the cannot condone or tolerate you moving Bitcoin to gambling. Uh, and then there is also like stuff like uh, uh, mixers, which is crazy because, uh, I mean, coin joins is just a regular best practice in Bitcoin in order to use Bitcoin better. It's just like telling people that uh, if you are using HTTPS over HTTP, so you are using the security and privacy best practices on the internet, then, uh, or if you are using like an AD blocker or a geolocation blocker on your browser because of privacy, then I cannot tolerate that and I have to freeze your money. I mean, this is just a normal bank. If people is if people think that this could, uh, I mean, th there, is, there is literally no meaning at all, no usefulness at all in a Bitcoin that to follow these kind of rules. Not just in order to withdrawal. But even after you withdrawal, you have to be sure that nobody in the future that you will move your Bitcoin to will eventually do anything of this, which basically includes peer-to-peer -peer or gambling, which are, uh, are respect respectively the reason for existence of Bitcoin, the reason for existence for Binance in the first place. So there is this crazy debate. And when we suggest to use CoinJoin as the best practice, CoinJoin is just a right, reasonable way in order to uh, a good it's like not reusing addresses is a good way to use bitcoin and some people including very paradoxically the bitcoin twitter handler that uh, that was promoting uh, scam coin a few time ago then somebody uh, probably uh, in the bitcoin field both it from Roger Ver and now is not promoting scam coins anymore, but is basically proposing promoting this notion that uh, like coin join is bad because if you coin join, then your risk rate in the exchange will uh, will uh, will increase, which is like saying I mean 
just don't use Bitcoin at all. Uh, if you want to, to use anything, just use FastSepa, use PayPal, use, uh, use, uh, uh, just use uh, Revolut or whatever, or traditional banking, because the rules are even worse. I mean, in traditional banking, maybe you have some trouble withdrawing your money in cash. Not always, like in Switzerland, I don't have any trouble, but I know that when I was in Italy, I had a lot of troubles withdrawing my own cash. But when I did, when I withdraw, uh, withdrawn my cash, uh, they could not ask me to, to, I mean, they didn't not follow the, 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 I, the numbers, the, like the matrix number of the, of the banknotes trying to track me uh, and track everybody who I g gave the money to in the future in order to punish me if somebody who gets my money eventually is doing something that they didn't like. This is, this is, this is not bank level. This is even worse than bank level. So it's completely nonsense. So yeah, my answer as always is, is too long, so I will try to cut it down. But uh, I want to, to just give you very quickly the, the last camps, which are basically uh, people who are, who are aware that there is not a magical solution. There are very, very complex trade-off. And the thing that this trade-off should be made at expenses of other things. Like, for example, uh, you, uh, you should do like ring signatures like Monero or confidential transactions like Monero, which uh, uh, makes scalability and, and verifiability on your full node way, way worse because every, trans every signature is, uh, is uh, heavier and slower and bigger. So it uh, basically goes against scalability. And also, again, it goes a little bit against uh, uh, reliability of the money supply because if there is an inflation bug in Bitcoin, everybody can notice that immediately. If there is an inflation bug in something where amounts are obfuscated, either because of mathematical problems like uh, quantum uh, nightmares, which are very, very unlikely, but more likely if there are implementation problems in the way people implemented uh, this kind of math, which is a different thing from having problems in the math, then nobody can know if the inflation is happening or where it is happening. So that opens a very, very huge uh, attack vector. So in this camp, you have people that recognizes that it's not just, uh, please, let's just fork fungibility in, but they, are they, are, they know about the trade-offs and they are willing to risk uh, auditability of the money supply or, uh, or for example, uh, scalability in favor of uh, of these uh, uh, like ring signatures or confidential transaction. Other people are more conservative, and I think I, I side more with this last. I mean, I really I am really against the first kind of camp. I think that's a complete misconception to think that Bitcoin can behave. I mean, people. I think that some kind of Bitcoin quote unquote users will be completely regulated, but they will not even need Bitcoin in a strict sense at all. They will just use Bitcoin-based ETFs in a normal bank. I mean, if you are a Swiss investor and you just want to expose yourself to Bitcoin price volatility, that's completely legit. That's even good for Bitcoin. And that's probably that will probably be legal in many, many states for, for a lot of time. But you don't really need to buy Bitcoin. Just buy Bitcoin-flavored risk on some centralized banks. Leave Bitcoin for people that want to use Bitcoin as a censorship resistance system and use your banking regulated system in order to just uh, uh, bet and gamble about the Bitcoin price, which is completely legit and good. So I think that uh, if next year we will have, uh, I think that there are basically, and then I stop, two major uh, 
good news that we could have in 2020. One will be basically Schnorr signature aggregation, which is something that cross input signature aggregation, it will be very, very slow because it's very, very dangerous. But if you do that, not only conjoin becomes a good practice, it also becomes necessary for saving money. So uh, basically, signature aggregation is a thing in which everybody who conjoin can just take their signature, add it up to other signatures, and they can just publish on the blockchain one single signature, saving all the space of the signatures, which is a lot of space. So basically, there is an economic incentive to do very, very big coin joined among a lot of people, which is very good. And on the other side of the spectrum, uh, I hope it will come up some regulated like US Bitcoin ETF so that people that see Bitcoin like the first camp I was talking about, people who see Bitcoin just as a speculative asset, which is legit, which, which is okay, they will just use synthetic Bitcoin to speculate and they will leave uh, real Bitcoin uh, to people that knows that we have to do uh, best practices like not reusing addresses and uh, coin joining every time and using Lightning Network a lot. Like in Lightning Network, you cannot follow transactions. So that's good. Uh, it's also, yeah, I, I know I promised to finish. <laughs> Just let me the last, the last sentence. No it's, also very, <laughs> it's also very ironic that people... Uh, answer to this post uh, with things like, let's just use Monero. Uh, I mean, this is so, so contradictory, logically speaking. Uh, the government will stop you from using Bitcoin and maybe after many hopes, having it conjoined, maybe because they, they, cannot be, they cannot even be sure it's you. But magically, the same governments and the same regulators will leave you just uh, withdrawing Monero with uh, City and Ring Signature without any kind of, uh, of, uh, uh, of censorship. That just, that just, I mean, I know the regulators are usually the stupidest part of society. That's true for a, for a reason of public choice selection, but they're not so stupid. I mean, they are still very good in what they do, which is basically taking people's money. So that's a very, very stupid kind of uh, answer. Just use a completely anonymous coin. They will just ban the anonymous coin altogether when it will become relevant, relevant and big enough. Okay, I have finished. <laughs> it's, as far as in your, uh, what you were just talking about, as far as for uh, within the privacy debate and, and within Bitcoin and uh, government actions as a reason or not a reason uh, to, to go down a specific road. One of the things I'd, I'd been thinking about was... Um, you know, if you if you think back to like the Libra hearings and everything like that, uh, it was surprising, actually, that Bitcoin was brought up by several congressmen as kind of this gold, not gold standard, uh, no pun intended, um, of of kind of digital currency. But it, it seemed to be used that way as in, well, you know, Bitcoin doesn't have, you know, uh, centralized leaders and all this kind of stuff. It was actually strange to hear them um, speaking somewhat um positively and i think some of that has to do with the fact that they feel uh comfortable enough that given its current state it's a you know an open ledger and everything like that and every single transaction can be tracked um and they've had a lot of success in tracking down um certain amounts of individuals using uh the the uh the, the blockchain on of bitcoin to find out where money's moving you know drug dealers or whatever and i think that they've at least in the little bit that they understand, think that, you know, they can find every tax cheat and drug dealer um, because it is a, you know, an open ledger that you can, you can uh, validate and peruse at your, at your convenience. But 
you know, like you were talking about with the increased privacy that that um, in whatever implement, implementation that we go with, you know, you have coin joins, uh, lightning offers, increased privacy as well. Um, or even I, I don't know if this is actually on the table, uh, the, the confidential transactions that have been talked about as a possibility for years and years and years. But um, the scenario that I, I, I've been thinking about lately was that, you know, with with institutional buy-in on this, whether it's Bitcoin ETFs or, you know, a back style thing or whatever it is, right? There's going to be a lot more money uh, that that comes in at some point. Um, and with privacy upgrades, I, I, I do think that governments, um, even ones that have been tolerant of it so far, will, will have uh, a reaction to this. And my thought uh, on one of the scenarios that could play out is that they will basically tell institutional actors, people that they can't control because they can't control, you know, individual users on the network, but they can go after institutional actors, you know, whether they are exchanges, whether they are custodial solutions, um, whether they are um, uh, people that are accepting uh, Bitcoin as payments or whatever, right? Fill in the blank. And tell them basically that they won't, they aren't allowed to run the upcoming uh, BIP that that puts these privacy implementations into effect, or maybe that they need to roll back and run a version of Bitcoin that that if this gets passed and then they figure it out that they need to roll back or or basically fork it off and and run a different version, and that would basically put all the cypherpunks, the libertarians, uh, the, you know, the maximalists and they overlap, uh, in, in quite a few ways, but, um, in, into one camp running the, the, you know, the, the newer implementation of, of Bitcoin and then institutional actors running the older one, um, likely the ticker symbol would go with the, you know, the institutions that are running it. And, you know, I, I was just wondering what your thoughts were on, the realistic possibility of that scenario um and what you know is, is there anything that we could do about that or what would you see the the uh, future of bitcoin after that yeah so first of all i don't think that the reason politicians so far especially in the us which are like the the brands of politicians that most of the people including myself are following from from abroad are 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 seeing like uh, uh, kind of friendly so far with Bitcoin just because they think it's completely traceable. Uh, that's that's true, and I will try to analyze that. But it's also because it's, it's still very small. Uh, compared to real economic monetary uh, dynamics, Bitcoin is still irrelevant. And so uh, politicians can afford to be indifferent or even friendly towards something which is irrelevant. Nobody had an issue with e-gold in 1995. Everybody had an issue with, uh, not, not even people in the Congress had an issue with e-gold in uh, 2005, but people inside the Federal Reserve and the, and the, and the monetary uh, financial regulation institution, they had a lot of issues with e-gold uh, in, in 2005 when it was big enough to be scary. Bitcoin is not big enough to be scary. And I think it will, will, will not be for at least a, a couple of other market hypes. I mean, yeah, some people is getting rich, some 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 dark net uh, shops can use it to pay for drugs or, or Bibles when Bibles are forbidden. Like, you know, that in the Silk Road, the first, the most purchased item was not marijuana. It was actually books 
books that were forbidden in some countries. So yes, people will use it to buy books when the government forbids books or to buy substances like alcohol or marijuana where it's forbidden, but uh, mostly they will use it for to store wealth. And uh, if they use it to store wealth against inflation or against confiscation, until that becomes peak, uh, the government will not really be triggered. And when it will be triggered, not, it will not be just initially the politicians. Like the politicians are like the show business side of government. They decide that they, they have to account. Uh, I mean, they have to talk with people to, to get votes. So some of them will, will get votes by being ferociously anti-Bitcoin, and some of that will get votes by being apparently pro-Bitcoin. It's natural. Every politician will find a niche and some politician will be pro-Bitcoin. But the actual government machine, which is not just a political Congress Congress machine, is even just a bureaucratic uh, like uh, surveillance machine uh, from NSA to, 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 to financial regulators uh, and the monetary machine of the Fed and other the other analogs around the world, they will probably start to strike when Bitcoin gets big enough to threaten monetary policies and tax policies. Uh, I mean, the government, the politicians like to talk about terrorism and patriot act for terrorism or immigrants. And so uh, we have to build a world for immigrants, but they don't really care. I mean, individually, maybe they care, but the machine of the government, the, the, the government body as a whole, as a system, doesn't really care until there is money uh, the revenue threatened. So as long as you you can you can, ta- uh, you can tax people, if you can tax people effectively, and you are not losing a lot of money in taxation, and if you can uh, basically inflate money and uh, and uh, manipulate uh, interest rates effectively, you don't care. So this kind of of uh, of uh, kind of this kind of reaction, I think, it will come mostly from bureaucrats before politicians and it will come when Bitcoin will be big enough. Sure, some politicians and bureaucrats are reassured because they think that Bitcoin so far is entirely reasonable, which is which is kind of a lie. I mean, inside the transaction, every Satoshi is actually completely fungible. You know how many inputs, you know how many outputs, but you don't know which kind of money went from which input to which output. That's that's technologically impossible to know. So Bitcoin is already kind of fungible at the Satoshi intra-transaction level. Uh, the problem is that you have very good, I mean, the problem is that people didn't use Bitcoin properly for a very long time. Like people started to reuse addresses because it was comfortable, it was easy, and there was not enough education. People didn't use CoinJoin because so far there are no uh, e- economic incentives to do it. There will come with with uh, nor uh, cross input aggregation, but they are not so far. So people just didn't care enough. Uh, so Bitcoin was apparently a little bit traceable uh, if you do on chain transactions, so not on Lightning, uh, and if you do a lot of mistakes like reusing uh, using addresses, and if you link your KYC identity with your on chain uh, operations. So a, a lot of ifs. And uh, the, the point is that there was a narrative. I mean, you can trace, you can track something, not a lot of things, actually. Nobody still caught like the Bitfinex uh, hackers. Nobody, I mean, most of the major hacks, uh, nobody got the, the people who did it. If you, if, you do your, your, if you do your work well, you can get away with Bitcoin because Bitcoin is not fundamentally traceable. But there was this narrative, and I would have to say that many Bitcoiners, including me, including, I mean, me, I'm irrelevant in globally, but I did some 
lobbying in Italy and then in Switzerland. And for a while, I supported this fake narrative of Bitcoin being completely traceable, uh, traceable because it was convenient. I think that most people, I mean, some people in the first camp that think that like uh, we are like against CoinJoin, like the, the guy uh, using the Bitcoin handle on Twitter, they think that they agree with me fundamentally, maybe some of them. But they think that as a narrative is convenient to just not kick the the um, uh, the, the the wasp uh, the wasp nest yet, uh, and to to make the government believe it's is completely traceable. But I think this was a very short uh, short term uh, short sighted move uh, because it created two problems. The first problem is that people who are not very educated and not very uh, people that are a little bit illiterate from a, a from a uh, technological point of view, they understood this fake narrative and they said, well, okay, Bitcoin is completely traceable. So if I want to use some money cash-like with privacy, I will have to use this new privacy scam coin like, I don't know, Dash, uh, Zcash. And, and then they get hurt because not only they, they could get hurt financially because then they, they basically their money will just eventually go to zero uh, or, or to very, very uh, low fractions of their wealth because the scam coins are scam coins and their, their life cycle is always pretty limited. But also they will get uh, hurt from the privacy point of view because, for example, people will learn that Zcash is really private. Then they will use uh, Zcash as as, as, as default. Zcash Z shielded transactions are super heavy. So uh, like a, mm, typical transactions, I mean, if you look at the transaction in Zcash, Almost every user is doing T transaction that are just normal unshielded transaction. So even less private than Bitcoin because you have less liquidity and less anonymity set. And the few people who are actually using the, the, the shielded transactions, uh, they are even more easy to, to track because uh, there is super low, super uh, little anonymity set there. If nobody's using those transactions, even if those transactions are zero knowledge about uh, about origin and about amount, still nobody's using them. So you, your anonymity set is super shallow. So you are easier to track than people using the T transaction. So many people, that that's just not accounting for the fact that uh, there are some reasons to believe that Zcash itself could be actually backdoored and uh, in the trusted setup. And I mean, it's uh, there is there are a lot of reasons. And I just use Zcash as an example here. Many people uh, took seriously the narrative of super trackable Bitcoin, and now they just think that uh, that basically they they will get better privacy using the last uh, zero liquidity, zero anonymity set uh, scam coin that will that will wreck them financially and. Uh, privacy-wise as well. And the second problem was that we convinced regulators that this is true. And so now regulators said, I mean, Bitcoin is like gold. It was intended to be like gold. So, of course, regulated banks, you can store gold in regulated banks. In Switzerland, probably you can store gold and take your gold and nobody will ask questions because Switzerland used to be a civilized place. But in other countries, you can store gold, you will do KYC AML, they will give gold to you, you will have to fill out of papers, but then they, the regulators don't have the absurd notion that uh, there will be some kind of magical thing in gold that, they will, that will make them able to track future spending of gold, because that's not the case. With Bitcoin, that's not the case as well. Even without Schnorr, without Lightning Network, without CoinJoin, without uh, confidential transaction, even without all this stuff, you cannot know if, uh, I mean, if I withdraw Bitcoin from your exchange 
and I and I move it on chain, you don't know if uh, and and then the, the the address receiving that will move it again. Uh, I mean, let alone the fact that there is not in Bitcoin, it, it doesn't exist a from address. So it's not even technically correct to say that that address will move the coin again. But let's simplify. Let's say that this address will move Bitcoin again on a coin join. You cannot even know that it's me coin joining or it's just some other guys. And it's crazy that I have to prove you. So what happened is that this delusion made the regulator uh, asking uh, it, it, it convinced the regulator to ask to exchanges to apply some kind of totalitarian, crazy, uh, crazily invasive Orwellian measures that were even unthinkable. Think about gold and cash. Of course, the use of gold and cash is restricted in authoritarian states or authoritarian leaning states, uh, which sometimes that's just like the US or Europe. I'm not just talking about uh, some strange dictatorship. Uh, it's restricted, but it's not restricted in a sense that they think they can actually uh, look at the transaction somewhere and, and make you guilty of that even if they don't know with certainty if it's you. So they created this fake sense of uh, total traceability that is now creating two problems. The first problem is, is that some people is getting tr in trouble, into legal trouble, for things that are not technically provable. Uh, some people are getting into trouble for things that are just uh, heuristically, probabilistically possible, but we don't know if they, if they passed this Bitcoin to somebody else or not. And the second is that Exchanges, they, they want to keep their business open. And so now they are doubling down on this narrative because they are saying, look, regulator, uh, we don't want you to close me down because I, we know that you may probably will not like Bitcoin if it works. So I'm scared that you will close me down. So now I will tell you that this narrative is true and it's so true that I can even, I can, tra and I can trace and track people better than your banking system, which is completely fake but it's something that exchanges are basically convincing uh, the government of. Uh, exchanges are becoming a powerful lobby trying to convince regulators that Bitcoin is not digital cash, but it's some kind of traceable uh, public uh, digital uh, like uh, uh, public registry, which is totally not. So, um, so uh, uh, to get back to the to the final point of your question, what if uh, exchanges will? Uh, basically force you to use a, a, a whitelisted Bitcoin, basically, a completely traced Bitcoin. That's a possibility. Uh, you just make, a, I mean, there was a, a project called Vul Vulcan Project a few years ago. It was like PwC with a net key with some other guys. They, went, they created in Australia a version of Bitcoin with multi-sig and like two of two. And the second key will sign your transaction only if you give the KYC of the other guy receiving in a whitelist. So you get the Bitcoin that you cannot move if the guy that you want to pay is not registered. So even without uh, downgrading your Bitcoin to Prisnor, you can still whitelist Bitcoin. But the point is that whitelisting Bitcoin, even if it's more nuanced, it's more complex, but deep down, it boils down to the same thing as banning Bitcoin. There is no difference. I mean, you say uh, the, 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 you, you just have a fork, you have privacy Bitcoin and regulated Bitcoin. But then regulated Bitcoin is, is basically having the same kind of problems of fiat. So it will be as useful as, as, a, as a fiat on top of PayPal. Same restrictions, if not even worse, because in PayPal, you, you have actually less restriction than in KYC exchanges. And then when they want to do to preserve monetary policy, they can just uh, 
with the same effectiveness uh, that they use to force you to downgrade, downgrade the privacy, they will just ask you and force you to downgrade the auditability of the supply or to accept inflation in the supply. I mean, if they can force you to run a software without Schnorr, Many, they can force many people, but then they will also be able to force to run a software that changes the supply. So you don't only lose the privacy side of Bitcoin, but also the monetary side of Bitcoin. And when you lose that as well, Bitcoin, this kind of well-listed Bitcoin is nothing, literally. Maybe it can keep some collectible value for irrationality of the market for a while. But, uh, I mean, do you think that the market, after a few years of moves, moving a coin, which is as easy to censor and confiscate as fiat and as easy to inflate and manipulate as fiat, it will get any kind of value different from any other fiat uh, fiat money. Sure, maybe there will be a trading opportunity because the, the monetary policy in this new fake whitelisted Bitcoin will be different. So you can trade US dollar with this stuff and you can hope to make money because maybe they, their monetary policy will be better for a while and then worse for a while and, and you can trade there, you can arbitrage. But after at equilibrium, after you do your arbitrage, this kind of money is just fiat money. Uh, it's just the same as any other money. So the real Bitcoin, regardless of the ticker, uh, even if it, if it takes for uh, even if it takes a lot to build again a lot of financial infrastructure, a lot of exchanges, a lot of uh, sure, maybe they can set us back for of many years. But uh, it's completely useless. Eventually, the whitelisted Bitcoin is going to zero because it's just fiat. To, I guess, uh, to jump in, into a completely different topic, but still uh, a, a bit fringe as well. Um, you know, I had a, a, uh, a discussion with Krista Rose a while back uh, about leadership in, in Bitcoin, which I thought was a very interesting topic because, you know, commonly uh, the the meme is, is that there's no leaders in in Bitcoin, and to an extent that's that's true. The 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 consensus mechanism, the network, you know, has no central coordinator. You know, something like IOTA does. Um, it doesn't have this majority hash duopoly uh, cult like in BSV. So I, I agree, there's no central singular leader like um, in those examples or in the political authoritarian sense. Uh, but I, I do agree that there is that there are leaders within within Bitcoin. So do you agree with this view or or do you feel like as though there there aren't any actual leaders within Bitcoin, not the actual network, but just uh, Bitcoin uh, in, in the big tent sort of sort of way? I would agree with with the nuance that there are actually some kind of uh, trust mechanism and leadership mechanism, but not in a way which is significant and, and in a way that which which is actually just a truism. I mean, you, uh, the, I think that the argument of uh, Chris DeRose is completely dishonest. I have my theory for why Chris is saying that. I think it's something more. Uh, more connected with his own visibility as a, as a naysayer and as contrarian than than with actual uh, honest consideration. But the point is that any kind of argument of that kind, you can make the same argument about anything, including gold. So yes, uh, you can run your own node, but most people, they don't know how to compile from source. So most people are just trusting some kind of signed uh, binary from some developers. 
sure, okay, you can verify gold with some kind of uh, uh, hydrostatic uh, scale or some kind of uh, electronic uh, ver gold verifier, but since most people are not uh, physicians, uh, physicists or, or, or chemists uh, or, or uh, basically experts, they probably cannot even assess if the scale, if the hydrostatic scale, I mean, most people cannot build a hydrostatic scale for gold. So yes, you are trusting the guy selling you the hydrostatic scale. So gold is not leaderless because somebody is probably the market leader of the scales used to measure it and so on. You can do that for literally everything. I mean, sure, you cannot, I mean, a TCPIP protocol is fairly leaderless, meaning that there is not a single government body that can change it at will easily. Uh, but still, somebody took some decision and somebody may take some decision in the future. And when you are installing a browser, you are trusting Mozilla Foundation and you are trusting Google uh, with Chrome and you are trusting Apple with Safari. And so if everybody colludes uh, in order to, to show you something which is not a, a TCP IP in your browser, then they can get away with it with most people. Some people will, will, will understand it and some people will scream out that there was like a, there was basically a fraud, but some people will not understand. So that's literally true for everything. The, the trust, I mean, uh, it, it is true that Bitcoin is not completely leaderless and trustless, but it is true only in, in the very uncharitable uh, 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 meaning of trustless and leaderless. I mean, if you, if you use the straw man, the trustless and leaderless literally mean that the trust system is completely canceled from the face of the earth for everybody, including the less literate people. Of course, nothing, literally nothing is trustless. Of course, it's a matter of degree. So what we have now is a progression from a complete government-run banking system with fiat money, the, with supply defined by a political body, the central bank committee, and uh, with censorship defined by, uh, by banks, which are mostly controlled by governments uh, in a legal cartel of the banking system, which is very close to the government and has to follow the government. It's super easy to censor, to, to corrupt, to buy uh, and to regulate. And you're switching from that to, again, to e-gold, where one guy can actually uh, fake the supply of gold, but then you can do some audit or something. And, uh, and sure, this guy can also steal money, but then he has very low market incentives to do that. And then you'll move into Bitcoin, where basically the degree of trustlessness and the degree of leaderlessness is orders of magnitude more than any other kind of financial system or monetary system of the recent history, uh, starting from fiat. Of course, gold is even more leaderless than Bitcoin. Of course, Bitcoin in 2020 is more leaderless than Bitcoin in 2009, where Satoshi Nakamoto was the de facto absolute centralized leader. Of course, Bitcoin in 2030, if it survives, and I hope it will, uh, it will be le more leaderless and more uh, more trustless than in this sense than Bitcoin now, because the more the more the protocol will uh, will ossify, the more you will have to rely on developers only for like uh, um, uh, upper layers uh, modification or uh, or tech or tools. Like nobody really is relying on developers for TCP/IP now. You are just relying on Google and Apple and Mozilla developers that they are not just defrauding you from the real HTTP uh, or the real TCP IP, but you are not just 
uh, trusting uh, continuous uh, upgrades. So a, a Bitcoin where the fundamental layer, the economical layer, which is taking care of the monetary policy, for example, is uh, ossified enough, that kind of Bitcoin will be way uh, more leaderless and way more trustless than Bitcoin now, which is in turn way more leaderless and trustless than Bitcoin 2009, which was in turn way more leaderless and trusted than eGold in 2005, which was in turn way more leaderless and trustless than fiat system before eGold, which was in turn, well, uh, way worse than physical gold before. But, you know, the problem with physical gold is that everybody was happy, but you could not move that across continents. It was super heavy to transport and and not divisible enough. So uh, that was the reason uh, representative money was invented in the first place. So uh, it's a, I think it's a it's not a fake, it's not a false argument. It's a completely void argument. It's a very uh, captious, um, uh, like uh, it's it's. I think it's intellectually dishonest argument. Uh, of course, you have to challenge the me the, 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 the. I mean, this strawman is not just used by. People like the Rose in order to uh, to now criticize Bitcoin because uh, it, it doesn't feel relevant anymore. It's also used by some Bitcoiners in good faith uh, because they really think that that's literally true. And you have to to tell people it's correct to tell people that trust doesn't mean that that everything. Uh, I mean, uh, even if you if you have if even if everybody is able to uh, build Bitcoin Core from source with a deterministic build. Uh, and check it against everything else. Still, people will use hardware, which is maybe uh, Harma or Intel with some backdoors and so. I mean, no, no, nothing is ever leaderless. A, a trust mechanism. Uh, as long as we have division of labor, you will have to trust somebody else. And when you don't, you will have to trust your own memory and to assess the, the level of trust in your own memory because maybe you just uh, you are just getting senile and you are forgetting things. So it's completely void. Uh, the, the absolute trustlessness is just a, 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 a just a, a crazy inexistent meme, and nobody with any understanding of Bitcoin really uh, seriously promotes that kind of uh, of uh, imaginary trustlessness and leaderlessness. Of course, there are developers. Of course, there are market makers. Of course, there are educators. Of course, there are just uh, uh, cultural phenomenon. Uh, the point is that the actual information you are carrying when you're saying this is leaderless is how difficult it is to change it or to to, to own it as compared to other uh, contextual uh, reference uh, examples like fiat money. Of course, it's not. I mean, rock and roll was a leader. I mean, uh, Arab Springs were leaderless phenomenons. Of course, there were a lot of leaders there. Uh, rock and roll was a leaderless, there was not, I mean, yeah, Elvis was the king, but there was not a leader of rock and roll. Still, there were a lot of leaders of rock and roll, people starting it, people uh, spreading it, people changing it. But the point is that you cannot have a political decision to change the nature of rock and roll because it's not a heavily centralized system. It is a fairly decentralized culture, so you cannot really change it. Uh, We can name any any kind of leaderless uh, social phenomenon was actually not literally leaderless, of course. No, I, I agree. And if you look at, um, or I agree with with, uh, with 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 the way that you frame that, in that um, you know, with you mentioned gold being 
being leaderless. And I think that, you know, in a way, I guess you could call it uh, the, the, the leader of, of gold in a way is just history. They've been established um, for so long that there's no need to have that. And as, as you stated, there's less leaders um, over time as Bitcoin becomes more established, as there's fewer needs for changes um, and especially ones that that uh, cause uh, disagreements um, within the community of users. Uh, there, there will be fewer and fewer leaders of it, and th- that was an excellent way to frame it as far as for like rock and roll, um, and in, in that way, I just when I see that that concept of of saying well, Bitcoin has no leaders, I, I would say that I think that the the UASF in a way was an example of that because you had a group a sure. group of leaders that that were pushing forward with the two X and the New York and Hong Kong agreements. And then you had a separate set of leaders who, you know, rallied um, um, their camps um, of, of people and engaged in that kind of intellectual sparring to to to, uh, um, you know, come to the conclusion that they that they wanted. And um, I, I figured that that you would have that nuanced opinion of it. It's just that I, I think it becomes as Bitcoin goes on, it becomes more dangerous for these very blanket statements uh, that are done in good faith, because you also can't try to pitch somebody Bitcoin and then, you know, spend four hours going into every nuanced version of of trustlessness and no leaders and that sort of stuff versus just a very easy to package, um, easier to package kind of soundbite. But uh, it's it is um, I think that as it goes on, because in the same way, like uh, if you look at, you know, with with like children right um i I think that to me i've had this argument with my wife about you know things like santa claus and and things like that is that my contention is that i I think that it it does breed a a bit of distrust in your parents where if you tell them something um is true for a really long time and then they find out that it's absolutely not there's no tooth fairy there's no uh, santa claus it's just your parents that are taking your tooth and leaving you a buck um that if you you know there's a level of distrust um, subconsciously, perhaps that develops in people when, you know, you you give them the sound bites of Bitcoin, but then they find out, find out that yeah, there's a lot more nuance to what we're saying, and, and that could just be me getting way too down into the weeds of things. But uh, that that was kind of where where my thought process was coming from. Well, but not just like there are like white lies and uh, like uh, kid legends, which I mean, it's it's fine. I mean, my grandfather. Uh, when I was a kid, used to tell me about his war history in World War II. And they were completely made up. And my mother knew that they were obviously made up. And I understood it as long as I I, I, I came of the age of six, probably, because they were clearly absurd. Uh, but they were, I mean, it was not the reason. But even if you don't go to, I mean, uh, Bitcoin is fungible or Bitcoin is leaderless. They are not even that. They are just a common sense uh, actual natural language uses every kind of, if you use the natural language, you cannot be strictly literal. Of course, you always assume the context of the conversation. If I tell somebody Bitcoin is, is leaderless, I, I don't actually mean it's more leaderless than go- physical gold was. Uh, or uh, uh, I assume it's it's orders of magnitude uh, more uh, decentralized than the alternative we are discussing, which is centralized fiat system, or than any, pre- any previous experiment in this direction. But that's, I mean, I think that uh, anybody, uh, if you don't try 
very hard to find uh, to find some kind of uh, uh, strongman argument in order to to debate uh, for some reasons. I think that everybody can really understand that's common sense. Uh, if we don't use formal language, if we use natural language, everything we say is mostly contextual, uh, up to a reasonable degree, of course. Uh, you you can be uh, willingly ambiguous, but even when you're very clear, what you're saying cannot be literally true in any context. That That's literally true for, for everything. I mean, uh, even when people say it's like about Bitcoin maximalism, we discussed this uh, in the previous interview. Uh, I say uh, everything which is not Bitcoin is a scam. Oh my God, this is not literally true because there may be, so this cannot be a, a literal rule because there may be something that you don't know in the future. Sure, I know, but this is a sentence just the same as uh, when cryptographers say, you don't roll out your your own crypto. Of course, that's a rule in cryptography, right? You don't you don't roll out your own crypto. That's like a golden rule. Of course, you do roll out your own crypto. Otherwise, uh, Shore and uh, Merkel and and everybody they, they couldn't and, and Chaum, nobody would have rolled out their own crypto if this rule was true. But you have to contextualize in the context of cryptography. It's a very very serious red flag when you are ro- rolling out your own crypto uh, cryptography. I mean without any need. Same goes for, for so I tell you, if you receive an, e- an email from a Nigerian prince, uh, that's a scam. Uh, so the, uh, I, in Nigeria, you have uh, this kind of clans that, that where there the, the can be a chief with a son and he will be a prince. And maybe this guy is actually a good guy and he can send email to people and they will not be literally scam because uh, Nigerian princes can be uh, legit sometimes but it's so irrelevant in the context you are discussing that only i think that only in bad faith you can use the nuances of of natural languages in order to argue that then you cannot apply the simple heuristic when you're talking with a lot of people in a very short time and you're selling look people i'm a security expert uh nigerian princes are scams they are not really giving you money then I know that somebody is actually uh, in business with a legit Nigerian prince, which is a non-egalist, but it's just not the norm. Uh, something will do enlarge your penis, but mostly not. So don't open that email and don't open that attachment because it's a scam. It's just the context uh, thinking, which is normal. And I, I may add, in your example, it's even more clear because you, you said uh, during the uh, UASF, uh, there were two camps, like the New York Agreement pushing for the New York uh, uh, broken implementation BTC one, and there were other people resist, other leaders uh, pushing against that. But that's not even the whole story. There were at least three camps. There were the market leaders pushing for New York agreements, like exchanges and uh, and like uh, New York people. Then there were. Uh, the the ASIC leader, uh, Bitmain, pushing for the miner activated hard fork, uh, which was something that later became Bitcoin Cash. Then they were the bit the software leaders in Bitcoin, Bitcoin Core, not pushing for UASF, and actually most most of them pushing against uh, BIP one four eight. The almost uh, in the, the the majority of them, Bitcoin Core did not merge. Uh, BIP 148 until after it was already uh, until uh, until after uh, BIP 191 was already locked in. So core was formally by any possible metric 
the, the, the informal decentralized group of developers was overall against UASF. Uh, in the in the way it was implemented, at least, except for Luke and and, and Sharon Fry and very few other people. Uh, so, uh, what you get is basically at least three camps, and then you have the the leader, like the leader of the US USASF, which is Luke and Sharon Fry, uh, one guy and one anonymous guy, and these leaders they uh, rushed a big a huge community of independent people that agree with them and uh, it, it changed the dynamics in the game theory so uh, it's com- i don't think you can find any kind of monetary phenomenon uh, in the recent era after fiat which is as decentralized and as leaderless as this of course uh, within the the reasonable uh, constraints of natural language where leaderless doesn't really mean that you cannot see any leadership dynamic at all. And the the, the last question I wanted to ask you was, um, uh, or actually, do, do you have time for one more question? I know we're, we're hitting an hour right now. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I got it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'd been doing quite a few episodes as of late about the topic of, you know, the Bitcoin religion, which you announced um as as a fact at the value of bitcoin conference panel i believe uh, this last year i think it was in the summer i'm I'm not quite sure the exact month but um yeah late spring or something yeah, yeah. so I, I i mean i don't know how much you you've you've heard all those episodes i've had you know ones where i've talked about it i've talked to uh, vin about this i've had uh, Gigi on as well uh to talk about these sorts of things but um you know how how do you personally view it uh, as a religion what makes it what makes it one in your opinion why do you think it has become this versus just an open source tech project yeah so well there are at least three layers in which you can tell this uh, in which you can state this claim this sentence and usually it's just useless to specify which one you're using because it's clear again from the context there is an absolute literal layer. If you are talking with a uh, with a, uh, a scholar of religions that is defining religions in a very strict way with some strict specification, then of course Bitcoin is not a religion, and probably even some things that people call religions, like Buddhism, maybe they are not religion, or maybe yes. So of course there is super literal, specific, technical uh, term, uh, and then there is a, there is a just the simplified discussion term which we may use in order to get some insight and some kind of uh, understanding of the global phenomenon with using more liberally the terms and also you have the other side of the spectrum which is an explicitly provocatory way to i mean a use of the term which is even uh, uh, willing willingly paradoxical and and very aggressive because you know that it's very borderline but uh, you also think it's still insightful and it can uh, it can be provocative of interesting uh, understanding and interesting thoughts. So you use that even if you know that it's very stre- far stretched and it's very, very uh, aggressive, let's say. And probably the way I use Bitcoin as a religion is more toward the, it's, it's be- between the second and the third way of using the word. Of course, I like to use this kind of sentence, especially when I think it will be highly triggering for people. Uh, so I, I abuse this <laughs> sentence in a way that it's, it's clear from the context I am abusing it, uh, but also a little bit, I think that in a non-super uh, academic way, it's actually true. I mean, Bitcoin is a social phenomenon 
and it is a special subset of social phenomenon uh, which has both some shallow and funny resemblances of their religions, like we have a, a holy book, like many religions, uh, which is like the white paper, uh, and you have uh, some people who is like, like, if you think about Christianity, you have uh, the Catholic Church, which is not really based on the book, it's based on the on the thought tradition of Catholic Church. So it's, it's like a, a tradition which is actually uh, embodied in, the, in, in a very complex social phenomenon called the doctrine of the church. And the book is not something that you have to take literal. And then when Protestantism came, came upon in, in, in Europe, uh, uh, starting from German Protestantism and Lutheranism, after that, many Protestant churches, they started to actually be uh, like to come back to the text. They were basically more literal. They said the Catholic Church is not really doing what the literal uh, text of the of the gospel is saying, or even the ancient uh, testament of the Bible is saying. So the, you, you can have like the Amish, Anaba, Anabaptists, a lot of people trying to uh, evangelic some evangelical churches. Uh, we have to go back to the literal text against this kind of more complex social phenomenon. It's very similar, if you want, what, uh, to what happened with uh, with some uh, shit coins. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, Bitcoin is uh, is is that like Bitcoin rules are encoded in the software, but we only care for the literal description inside the white paper, which is the holy text. And so we want to get back to the holy text. And so it's like these shit coins are actually like Protestant schisms. From uh, because they are more literal than the very complex, difficult to difficult to grasp uh, social evolution of the uh, of the actual Bitcoin rule. I mean, the, the Bitcoin white paper doesn't even include the 21 million units limit. It doesn't include a lot of stuff that in the code are there. So your Bitcoin node is validating a set of rules which are not entirely derived uh, from the white paper. In some cases, they even contradict. The white paper since the times of Satoshi, like uh, longest chain as opposed to heaviest chain and so on, uh, or SPV with fraud proofs. So Satoshi himself evolved from the literal text. So you have this, this is just an example, but you have a lot of other examples of things that look uh, funny things that in, in, surf, in the surface, they look like religious phenomenons. Of course, in the, in the, in the field of uh, BSV, you have the literal uh, uh, like deification of uh, of the of the Frouster founder uh, Craig Wright, uh, some people was literally th uh, saying that he was the second coming of Jesus and something like that. And there is a, a very uh, religious sect like phenomenon. And in general, like uh, I talk with people, intelligent people, not easy, not easily suggestionable people that are. I mean, some of us are changing their lives so much because of Bitcoin, intellectually, practically financially, uh, professionally, technically, that is, is something that is very similar to what happens to people when you have like a born again, again Christians and stuff like that. It's something that is changing. Of course, uh, there, are us, there are also deeper ways in which Bitcoin is, the, the, the overall Bitcoin phenomenon, of course. Uh, so uh, Bitcoin is, is just a word. The word Bitcoin overlaps with, uh, can be used to label different things as many words. You have like polysemantism, you have different meanings uh, under this word. One is the unit of uh, uh, 100 uh, millions of, uh, uh, of Satoshis. Then you have the idea of Satoshi Nakamoto, how to create an, a decentralized anti-double spend uh, 
uh, double spend safe um, digital cash system, then you have the actual first implementation called Bitcoin. Then you have the Bitcoin culture, the Bitcoin phenomenon, the Bitcoin, uh, let's call it community, even if it's, of course, a network of very different communities, uh, which are completely different uh, across each other. So you have a very complex set of uh, ne- intricate network of phenomenons, all called Bitcoin. Of course, is to take this, this last very, very wide meaning of Bitcoin, that's that's even deeply similar in some cases, which are not academically strict, to a religion. You have uh, like uh, you have a, a, a deep change in the personal life. You have like a, a, it's, it's not p- people don't really. I mean, I will not give up my nine to five job as I did in 2014. Uh, I will not change my life completely. Uh, I will not uh, uh, change most of the things of my life for an open source project. Uh, just for that, or for a, a financial investment, you do your life. You do a financial investment. If it's good, you get rich. You can you can buy Google shares at the beginning and you become rich, but it didn't really change it your life. You can work. You can do a pull request in, in Linux kernel. I mean, Linux Linux is closer to a religion than than Google shares for sure. But still. Uh, you can do a contribution to, uh, to uh, I don't know, BitTorrent. And, and okay, you just made a contribution to BitTorrent, just open source development. Bitcoin is different. So, uh, there is a, a strength, a cultural strength in, in, the, in the narrative around the regions. In a, I mean, you have a, a goal which is highly, it is not metaphysical. It is not, uh, it is not existential. It's more, uh, it's more uh, concrete. It's, it's more... Um, it's more probably, let's say, hurtly. Uh, uh, it's something you, you want on this hurt. It's just about justice and freedom on this hurt. So it's not something about uh, afterlife, for sure. Uh, but it's something strong with very strong idealistic uh, parts and sides. And uh, and he has a lot of so religion can be. I think that religion can be uh, seen as the overlap between. Uh, uh, some kind of uh, deep um, uh, life-changing meaning, plus a lot of very, very codified uh, and, and, and particular social encoding of rituals, basically. And Bitcoin not only has a very strong fundamental appeal to, the, to, to high ideals and life-changing uh, goals, but it also has a lot of rituals. Like we have, uh, it's still young, of course, but... Uh, I mean, uh, again, with the, with the example of rock and roll, many, many rock and roll fans will tell you, tongue-in-cheek, tongue not really half-jokingly, uh, rock and roll is a religion. religion. It, it is a joke, but not really so. And with Bitcoin, it's, it's even more so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tongue-in-cheek uh, sentence, which is uh, half-serious and half-not, but uh, the parts that are serious are actually useful to understand some of the aspects of it yeah it's been uh, it's been uh, uh said uh, one of the episodes i was talking about is that you know evolutionary um psychologists have have thought that the development of religion amongst early peoples was was a a necessary evolutionary stage as far as for binding together groups of people at a deeper level than just mere survival right you you form into tribes um 
mostly just so that you can have a much safer existence. You you can get access to uh, not just better security, but better, better ability to gather food or something if you're injured, you know, that sort of stuff. And that, um, you know, my thought uh, with, with Bitcoin is that, uh, you know, Gigi has d- did a great write-up on where he talks about Bitcoin as an organism um, and that, you know, this organism itself is, is uh, possibly, uh, you know, evolution just takes place between mutations and some of them are successful. Some of them are not. The ones that aren't successful don't survive and the ones that do. And this could be just another evolutionary aspect of that, I guess, if you want to call it that, that Bitcoin organism and that by creating this sort of, um, uh, these sort of conditions where people view it as, as that, that it binds the community together. And if that happens to, to work better, uh, it's a better survival for, you know, Bitcoin. And, uh, then that'll just, you know, incentivize it for further development down that road as binding the community together. Um, looking at this as not just, well, you know, yeah, I like this app, but it, you know, if if it dies, you know, like Vine or whatever, I'll just switch to something else. Whereas, if you view it as something that's integral to your life, uh, the the thing itself will actually have a better chance of survival into the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, that's uh, yeah. It has some. Um, I mean, rituals and uh, memes have definitely have. An evolutionary role, so if if it's not really biological, it's a little bit cultural, culturally speaking. So this uh, doesn't mean that uh, the the meaning conveyed by some of these memes are is not true. I mean, the fact that he has he had an evolutionary role doesn't mean that it's automatically false. But it's it's true that it's not just about whether the meme is true or not or not. It's also about the the function of the meme. Uh, on the society, of course, I would not justify spreading a fake meme, uh, uh, outright fake, just because it has a role. I, I, I think that's that's just a bad form of. The, I mean, it's possible it happens, but I'm personally against uh, that from an ethical and and professional point of view. But uh, for sure, uh, along with the truth or not of the of the meaning, there is the functional ro- so- social role of the, of memes. Uh, in I mean memes in the original meaning, not not just the not just the funny Twitter gifs, but but even the funny Twitter gifs. I mean, we we live in a in a in a in a timeline where uh, like uh, uh, Pepe's memes and Kekistan memes deeply influenced political elections. I mean, we we, we live in in a great uh, meme epoch, so meme era. So that's very strong, and of course. Uh, in the case of religion, some of these rituals are are about deep life-changing meaning, and some are more superficial and even more like folkloristic. And you can think about, for example, the I mean, uh, the anonymous founder disappearing, uh, Satoshi. Uh, that's that's useful. That's useful because it was I mean, the obsec of Satoshi was fundamental. So it's not just it's not just a meme. It was actually necessary probably to to bootstrap Bitcoin. So he, he had to do that way, but it's also it also makes for a great story. Uh, I mean, an unprecedented story. Tell me a story which is more uh, it, it is more uh, uh, interesting than the origin story of Bitcoin in the last 
centuries. I, I, th- I think you can't if, if you talk objectively, if you understand what you're talking about. And of course, uh, it's a matter of taste, but I think it's a great story. And uh, like many religions, Bitcoin has foundation myths, but, but these foundation myths, they also are actually true. So <laughs> that's even better. Well, I, I appreciate your time. I don't, I had uh, a few more questions, but uh, I don't want to keep you. I know it's already late there. So um, I really appreciate If you want to go until, until uh, one, one hour 30, we can go other 10 minutes. Then I yeah, to... well, I think uh, the, the direction I was going to go was going to be uh, a, a little bit longer than, than uh, 10, 15 minutes. So we'll just save that. I'll, I'll save these for, for the next time I bring you on. Um, and, and we'll get a little bit sure. better context as, as time goes on too, for, for those questions. But, uh, I really, you know, I, I appreciated you, you know, having you on and, uh, how can people find you, you know, consume your content and, and just see what you're up to. So, so far I'm still completely centralized <laughs> and, uh, and censorship prone and fragile because I'm just basically moving on on Twitter, uh, like, or I'm e- either parasiting other people's, uh, uh, websites like uh, my seminars are uh, either on B Academy, uh, B C A D A, uh, like Academy, what we would be dot it, and you can find some seminars there. Some uh, on the Tonebase website, you can find my seminar for February in Las Vegas, uh, running Bitcoin. So my professional stuff is a little bit all around, and my only unified, uh, my only unified stream is right now Twitter. So if uh, if Jack Dorsey decides to ban me, I'm I'm finished from a social point of view. So I, I I'm still thinking that I, I know that I have to have a website, and I hope that by the next interview with you, I will send people to jackmozuko.com. But I'm super lazy, and I want to do it good with uh, with GitHub pages and Jackie, and I'm so lazy, and I'm I'm busy with stuff, so I, I never do it. But uh, right now, Jackmozuko on Twitter is the only centralized point of failure. Well, thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Sure. My pleasure.